0: Amen. We got a light to shine. Amen. We got a light to shine. Good morning, Hope Elam. It is so good to be with you. And whether this is your first time here or your 100th time here, God sees you. We see you. And God sees you. He knows your name and he knows your story. He knows every single story that walked in here this morning. And God has a word for every single one of us. Amen. Amen. I don't know about you, but I love this time of year. Any other fall fans out there? Uh, Absolutely. It's one of the greatest times uh, of the year. I love the changing temperatures, that little chill in the air when you walk outside in the morning and you take a deep breath and you feel that cool, crisp air flowing through your lungs. It's football season as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, We get to cheer for our favorite team, but as the temperatures change, the leaves change, you get a warm beverage. It's a great time of year. I love so many things about the fall. There's one thing I don't love about the fall. It's dark. It, It gets dark so early. I remember summer, we would be out playing with our kids until 9, 9.30, and it's still light. Not so much anymore. It just keeps getting darker and darker and darker. And I don't think it's any coincidence that that's the world that we live in as well. Pastor Brian and I don't need to stand up here and convince you that we live in a dark world. We have to shine that light in the middle of a dark world, but it's dark. And the darkness is out there, but the darkness is also in here. You can read about it in the news, or you can just look inside your heart. We live in a dark world. Out there, war and famine and oppression and injustice and violence, and you turn inward. We get to walk alongside many of you, and we know that just even in our community, broken relationships, difficult financial circumstances, re- relational struggles, marriage struggles, anxiety, depression, the list goes on and on and on. We live in a dark world, and sometimes it can feel overwhelming.
1: Yeah, sometimes when we're in a place of darkness, we find ourselves in a place of obscurity. And all of us it depends on... Our circumstances, we can find ourselves in the dark, a place where we're ignorant and blind to the truth. No matter how much you know, how much you think you know, and where you've been, and what you've done or failed to do, darkness is real. And sometimes when we find ourselves in a place of darkness, we find ourselves in isolation. And maybe you're here this morning, and because life hasn't treated you fair, things have been hard, you've isolated. you find yourself going to a place of darkness, a place where you think you can hide, a place where you think that nobody sees you. And if we're not careful, we go deeper and deeper into a place of darkness because we don't have anyone who can draw us out. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've been in darkness a long time. You know, one of the things that's dangerous about being in the dark is being in darkness and not know you're in darkness. It's when you think your eye is light, but it's really dark, and you're pursuing the things of the light, but it's really darkness, and you're going deeper and deeper into a place of darkness. Maybe you're here, and... The darkness is so overwhelming. Maybe your darkness has just been death. The person you've been depending upon, the one who is the loved one, who's your rock, has gone home. And maybe the darkness has gotten more dark. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your your spouse. Mm. Maybe it's your relationship that leads you to a place of darkness. And I don't know, but sometimes when we're in the dark, we find ourselves alone. And if you're here today, you might be full of company. You might have a lot of people in your life, but your darkness is not death. That's not even the destruction of relationships. It's despair. You've given up. There's some things that has happened that has made you hopeless. You keep doing the same things and nothing has changed. And we stop by to tell you, don't go deeper into the dark. Come Amen. out of the dark. Come out of the cave. Amen. Amen. Have you ever been in darkness? <laughs> In a place of darkness, when it comes, at first, you're like, well, I know this is not right. But if you stay in the dark long enough, your eyes begin to adjust. You begin to become comfortable in the dark. The things that was blinding before now, you begin to see images. Now you become used to it. now it seems like I could make this work. Have you ever been in the dark and you, you've developed night vision? You can see things now, and, and it also allows you, to hi- allows you to hide, and allows you to keep things inside, and you can just live there. You come out every once in a while, but you go back to darkness. It's time to come out of the cave.
0: Have you ever noticed that when you're in the darkness, one single light can light up a dark room? We can't make make it pitch black in here and know it's not Christmas Eve. There's one light that can light up a whole room and suddenly if you're in the darkness and you experience that light, all of a sudden you don't feel so alone anymore. All of a sudden, you can start to get your bearings and you can kind of make some purpose and direction out of your life. And you realize, I'm not so alone. Oh, the darkness is real. But this morning, we stopped by here to tell you that so is the light. Amen? So is the light. Not just one light, but all of our lights together. There is a light that shines Come on. in the darkness. So when the light shines... It's for a reason.
1: Light provides illumination. It, it is luminous. That means light uncovers. It reveals. When you step into the light, it exposes. Light is a luminous, but it's also illustrious. It's imminent. It's prominent. It's distinguished. When we are light, God calls us to excellence. It is luminous, illustrious, but it's infectious. People are drawn to the light. It's attractive. The light provides for all of us a place that we can come and find help when we're lost. The light. That's who we are. We didn't get it by ourselves. Jesus says, look, I am the light of the world. And when we understand in John 1, he says, first of all, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. In verse 4, he says, look, in him was life. And in the life, in him, in Jesus was the light of men. And then he goes on, he says, look, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish the light. So we need most of all to understand who we are. He says, look, God sent a man. His name was John. The man came to bear witness of the light, but he was not that light. He came to to shine the light on the one who was coming, the true light. And that light, Bible says, if anyone who would believe upon him can become a child of the king. Jesus is the light of the world. But not only that, in John 8. After a woman was caught in darkness, they brought a woman before Jesus, and she had been caught in adultery. And after Jesus spoke to the crowd and exposed their darkness, he found himself that everyone had gone home. They dropped their rocks. And after Jesus spoke life into the woman, shined his light on the woman, and told her to go and sin no more, then he says, I am the light of the world. If anybody follow me, you won't ever have to walk in darkness. So my question this morning is, who you following? Do you know that sometimes we can put our confidence in other people, confidence in a book, besides the Bible, confidence in things? And if we keep following those things, and we keep finding ourselves in darkness, do you understand that the only way we can find the light is we follow Jesus? Amen. He says, I am the light of the world. Where are we spending most of our time? Where is the, where, who we're following? In John 9, there was a blind man. And Jesus says, look, the, the question was, who did sin? This man? Why is he blind? Jesus said, look, first of all, understand for all of us, he said that all that we go through is for his glory. Jesus said, look, we don't have time because we got to work, go to work while it is day because the night's coming. The time that we can't do the work that God is called to do. It's coming. He says time to go to work. He's the light of the world.
0: Hmm. <laughs> Let there be light. Amen. Yeah. It makes hmm. a big difference, doesn't it? And here's the good the good news just keeps on coming. But wait, there's more. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. gets better. Amen. Jesus is that light of the world, but here's the greatest news ever. That light that shines in the darkness, that the darkness can never overcome, has been put inside of you. Amen? That light is inside of you. So we're gonna take a quick detour today. Some of you are thumbing through your Bibles saying, wait a minute, weren't we in Hebrews? God led us to Matthew chapter 5 today, and we're going to dive into this together. If you've got your Bibles or your Bible app, open to Matthew chapter 5. So not only is Jesus the light of the world, but for those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ, he's put that light inside of us. Matthew chapter 5, at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, he's giving what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And we don't know if it was on a mountain or a hillside, but what we do know is that this is one of Jesus's first sermons, and he's kind of vision casting for what his whole ministry is about. And we know this, that we need to pay attention to who Jesus is talking to just as much as what Jesus says. You'll understand it in an even more powerful way. Jesus is preaching, and certainly his disciples were there, but also surrounded by, well, the villagers. Jesus was standing in a crowd, much like we are here today, and he was surrounded by people, but not the people that you would expect. Jesus is not teaching in the temple or the synagogue and surrounded by the religious elite. Jesus is not standing in this moment in the the, the palace, surrounded by Roman government officials. Jesus is most likely out in the village, out on the countryside, the Sermon on the Mount, and he's surrounded by, well, ordinary people. I don't know, people like you and me that think they're ordinary. The poor, the crippled, the lame, the outcast, just ordinary people. And it is to that group of people. Maybe some of us today feel that exact same way. That type of group of people. In Jesus' day, if you were not wealthy, if you did not have a bunch of possessions, if you did not own property, if you weren't married into some rich family, there was literally little hope for you to have any sort of impact. And that you would believe, whoa, this Messiah is coming, but what, what could he possibly want from me? What impact could I possibly have in this life? And it is to that group of people and this group of people that Jesus speaks these words. Go ahead and go to the next slide. Let's read it together. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. To a crowd of people that assume that they are nobodies and ordinary people. Jesus says, I have put the greatest treasure in the world inside of you. This is no time to play small. This is no time to have some humility that downgrades yourself to say, I'm not that important in the kingdom of God. You, the church, is the light of the world. And in this one sermon, in this one statement, Jesus tells us what it means to be the church this morning. He says, I'm going to give you an identity, and I'm going to give you a purpose. Your identity is that you are the light. Now, you get to decide how brightly you shine but it doesn't change who you are. You don't get to decide who you are. The one who created you decides who you are. Amen? You are the light. That is your identity, but I've also given you a purpose, and it is to let your light shine in that dark world that we live in. And we believe this morning, as we share this message with you, that this passage right here is central to who God has called us to be as a church. And so this morning, we want to walk with you through three keys, three characteristics, three ways that we can live out this identity. What does it mean for Hope Elam to shine our light? What does it mean for you individually and us collectively as the church to shine our light? And we want to share with you three things. Everybody say, be lit. Be
1: lit. Everybody say, be a lighthouse.
0: Be a lighthouse. Everybody say, be loving. Be loving. And it is those three key areas that we want to unpack for you this morning of what it means to shine our light. Light. Obeelam, oh, Jesus.
1: Do you know who you are? Do, do, do we know as we sit in this place who we are? Bible says, You are. Jesus said, You are. The light. Now, you could be, you might be, there's a possible possibility. You can be considered as you are. And whether you are here and your light is dim or you're not shining as bright as you want, you and I have to know who we are. You are the light of the world. Not because we've been so good, not because we have it all together, not because there's something we can do that other people can't do. It's who God says we are. And at some point, as the people of God, in our homes, in our neighborhood, in our, in our, on our jobs, wherever we go, we have to make a difference wherever we go. God did not call us to blend in. If we're going to a place and it's dark and nothing changes, we're not fulfilling our purpose. God has given us this light on assignment. There's a friend who is coming to your presence every day in darkness. And we know the truth. And God is saying to all of us that we got to be lit, not the lit that the world talks about, but we're talking about lit in terms of there's something that's got to be in us that we can't hold to ourselves. My prayer this morning is that we would just embrace and understand as an individual, that we individually have to be lit because we're called to be light. What am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about a couple of things. First of all, know who you are. Don't blend in because you're created to shine. What does it mean to be lit? Somewhere you've heard a word. Somewhere somebody gave you truth. At some point in your life, you came across an experience where you know that was God, and it ignited something in you. Your spirit connected with God's spirit, and it lit a fire in you. When you're ignited, then you know that 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 you're on fire. Do you remember the time when you first received the gospel and something was burning on the inside? Do you remember? You remember the remember there was a fire burning. Listen, if your fire is burning right now, can you just give God some praise? Let's just take a praise break. Where, where am I lit, people, at? God is calling us to be lit because there is a world out there in darkness. When we are lit and something has been ignited, we become on fire for God. That there's something burning that we wake up, regardless of how, the, how bad it was last night, there's something on the inside that is burning within us. And because it's burning, we're excited to come to the church. We're excited to get the word. We're excited to raise our hand or to come before the throne. Because there's something that is fueling us, fueling us with the word, fueling us with the spirit that continues to pour fuel on that fire. And because of it, we are lit. We don't need somebody to entertain us. We don't need somebody to come and say, what we ought to or we should. There is something when we stand up When we get up in the morning, that is lit. And because of it, when we live our lives, people who are in darkness, they think we are impressive. They say, they lit. (laughs) What they're talking about is very close to what we're talking about, but it's two different things. I come by to tell somebody, when you lit, you are distinguished. You are set apart. You are a whole. You don't do the things you used to do. You don't go where you used to go. You can't say what you've been saying. Why? Because you lit. What am I talking about? Whoo, Jesus. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes we're not lit because we're not hot enough. <laughs> ah, if I can say it like I feel it. Can we embrace this? Can we consider embracing this? Sometimes to be lit is living intentionally transformed. When you're lit, you can't do what you've been doing. The Spirit of God, you can't hate somebody when you lit. You can't cuss somebody out when your fire is burning. That's why we got to keep the fire burning, because we got to live intentionally transformed. Romans 12 says, look, I beseech you, brethren. I beseech you, I encourage you, I exalt you. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, distinguished, and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service, and be not... Conform to this world. Be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. But in order to do that, we gotta be humble, open, and transparent. We've gotta be transparent with our ugly stuff. We gotta can't go isolate. We gotta get hot and on fire for God. Oh, Jesus, I'm almost done, but listen, watch. Sometimes what happens, we've been lit before, and the fire was burning bright. But some storms came. The rain began to fall, and it dampened our fire. It dampened our light. Our fire started to go out because of of death and and the destruction and despair. The same light is now smoldering, smoldering. It is a process where there's a slow burning with smoke, but there's no flame. (sighs) You've been lit before, and it feels like your fire has gone out because you're smoldering. Because now, because of hardship, because of things that have happened in your life, the fire is still there, but it's just smoldering. There is a slow burn, but it's smoke, and it's not a flame there. So what I'm trying to say, it don't take much. All you need is a spark. All you need is a word. All you need is an encounter with an almighty God and the smoldering becomes a shining in the midst of the darkness. Here's how, come on, Pastor John, get ready. Listen, listen, listen. I said it before, if you be ready and stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. If you are lit and you stay lit, you ain't gotta go and get lit. <laughs> My last lie. But you are not like that. <laughs> he has called us. He says that you are a chosen generation. Can we just embrace that? Mm-hmm. That that not because we've been, he said, you are royalty. You are light, and you've been called out of darkness into the marvelous light, but it's not for us, it's for all of us.
0: Mm. Woo. Mm. Amen. Just kind of cooling it down. Mm. It's a little hot up here. Can you imagine hundreds? thousands of people that call Hope Elam home, all lit together, what that would look like? Can you imagine? That would look like a Lighthouse. Everybody say lighthouse. Lighthouse. That's the second thing that we're called to be is when you get lit and you put a whole bunch of people together, you get something that kind of looks like what we get to experience every single week. We're not just called to shine the light. We're not just the light of the world individually, but we are collectively as a community as well. You go back to Matthew chapter five. He puts it this way in verse 15. Go ahead and go to the next slide. In verse 15, Jesus says, that the, nope, sorry, go back. In verse 15, Jesus says this. No one lights a lamp And puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. This is the picture that Jesus is trying to paint here. Why would you turn on a light? Why would you start a fire? Why would you turn on all the lights and then immediately cover it up? That would be crazy. That would be ridiculous. In the same way, why would you be a church and be inwardly focused? Why would you be a church that has no interest in what's going on outside the walls? You know what a quick way to decline as a church is only focus on yourselves. Navel-gazing. How are we doing? Am I comfortable? Am I good? Am I getting all my preferences met? A quick way to kill a church is to only be inwardly focused. When we were coming together as a church, our leadership team was reading different things and being inspired by different leaders and authors, and one author posed the challenge to us this way in something we were reading. He said this, if your church were to disappear tomorrow, like just pff, gone, would anybody notice? Outside the walls. I know you would. This is the trick to the question. Would your city weep? Come on. And that maybe somewhere in there is a clue to what a healthy church looks like. Not a country club. Not a museum for saints, but a hospital for sinners. Would anybody notice? Would anybody notice that maybe when we are a healthy church, we are that city on a hill that you can see from a long ways away, that there's a glow, there's an attraction to that light. That maybe the church at its core is called to be a place of irresistible influence. That even people that don't believe what we believe, they don't come to worship. It, they maybe have never stepped in a church building would say there is something about those people. Yeah. It is not about a building. We, we, we could meet in an elementary school gym. We could meet in a car dealership. We could meet in another Lutheran church. We could meet anywhere. We can meet on the side of the road. It's not about a building. But then when people look at us, they would say, I don't know what it is about you people. Jesus. They're lit. Jesus. And collectively, collectively together, that forms a lighthouse. There's something that we desperately need and that maybe the church could be as vital to the health and the, 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 uh, the prosperity of a city as a lighthouse is to ships yes. at sea. When I was growing up, our family, one of our favorite places to go was to go up alongside the North Shore up to Minnesota, and we would go along Lake Superior, and there are so many lighthouses. I've seen pictures of lighthouses before, but I've never actually been in one. They're huge. They're big, and there is an entire operation to keep that light burning, because if that light goes out, the lighthouse has no purpose. It's just an object. It's just a building. And this is how important a lighthouse is. Because when you're out there at sea, and it's dark, and that's where some of you are at today, you don't feel lit. You don't feel like a lighthouse. And when you're out there lost in the dark, and all of a sudden you can see that light shining in the distance, now there's hope. Now there's purpose. Now there's direction. Maybe it's not so far to home. And some of you are longing for home. And I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is not just the light in the, at the end of the tunnel when everything gets better. Jesus is the light in the middle of the tunnel. When you're lost at sea and you can see that lighthouse shining. Come on. I don't know if you remember this, but on our first anniversary, a couple Novembers ago, Renee from our creative team was tasked with just painting. We didn't give her any direction whatsoever. And she was tasked with painting live here during that anniversary service whatever God laid on her heart. This was three years ago. And she paints our building (laughs) with hundreds of people flowing in, hundreds of people flowing back out into mission with our roots down deep in God's love with people from every tribe and tongue and nation. And on the top, there is a lighthouse that is shining the love and the light of Jesus Christ. There is no coincidence in that. It's a total God thing. And the vision we want to share with you today is that maybe that is a clue to who God has called us to be. Is it any wonder that the top of our physical building looks like a lighthouse? And it may not have a light on it, but it has the cross of Jesus Christ. Because when we people are drawn here, they're not drawn to a church. They're not drawn to us. They are drawn to the light of Jesus Christ the only thing that can change their life. I was driving from Mercy Hospital, this way. I was driving from Mercy Hospital and coming this way, coming west on university, and from miles away, you can see the top of that building. That as people are drawn together, they're not drawn to us, they're drawn to Jesus. Maybe God has called us to be a lighthouse. I'm reminded of Psalm 119, 105. It says this, your word, God says, David writes, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light for my path? Could it be that in a world that's looking for direction and meaning that that is exactly what a lighthouse could be? Could it be that this is what God is calling us to be as a church? And I will tell you this, there was a group about five or six years ago, some leaders from Hope, leaders from Elam had this crazy idea that maybe we could not just go side by side as a predominantly white and a predominantly black church, but maybe we could come together and be one church and be one church and come together and that maybe there was a facility that wouldn't just be an hour on Sunday morning and have some church services but maybe it would function more like a community center and we had this crazy idea that maybe we could invite in some faith-based nonprofits and the truly a 24/7 center of mission impacting every area of the city and what what a crazy idea that would be amen yeah. <laughs> I remember I remember thinking that. I remember walking through this building during COVID and it was empty. There was no life here. It was just empty. And I, can I tell you, three year, well, five or six years later and now three years since the merger, praise God, that vision has come to life. We're not talking about it. We're doing it. God's doing it. God is doing it. Worship continues to grow. We love seeing this room continue to fill up and what's happening in this room as we worship. Do you know that our children and student ministry has doubled in size? Over 150 children and students under the age of 18 are being impacted every week in this building. Amen? Adult. Adult ministries continue to grow in groups and classes and small groups and Alpha and racial unity classes and you go down the list. Support groups, care ministry continuing to grow. Uh, hosting these these larger events that are drawing people from all over the city and they're coming and they don't quite know what it is, but there's a there's a there's a beautiful sense of unity here that people are longing for. There's something different than the world can offer. Get this: just in the last two years alone, eighty thousand meals have been served to this community through our food ministry praise God for that okay and here's the one that gets us most excited just in the last three years over hundred and fifty people have been baptized into new life in Christ that's what we're about praise God amen but here's the thing with all of that look at what God has done we believe that we're just getting started We're just getting started living into this vision of becoming a lighthouse because there are people that are still oppressed. There are people that are still in poverty. There are still broken relationships. There are still people caught in the chains of addiction. And there's this. There are tens and hundreds of thousands of people in the greater Des Moines metro area that do not know the love of Jesus Christ. And until that's no longer the case, our work is not done as a lighthouse. Amen? That is what we are called to do. But here's the thing. Some of you might look and go, wow, I heard the church is declining. I heard that churches are closing their doors. It's really dark out there. It is a dark, dark world. And I stopped by to remind you, the darker it gets, the brighter the light shines. The brighter the light shines. And I don't say, oh, wait, what a difficult time to be the church because nobody's interested in church and nobody's interested in Jesus. I think it's a beautiful time to be the church. What a time to be alive. What a time to be a part of the greatest mission on the face of the earth. And we can talk about all that. But there is a way that we do that, and it's right there in Matthew chapter 5 as well. Be lit. Be a lighthouse. But also, do it with love.
1: There's no way we can say that we're lit or that we've been ignited. there's something that's burning inside of us if we can't love each other. When you look at this last verse, let your light so shine. When I looked at shine, it is in every translation that I could find. There are some differences here and there, but shine was emphasized. When I think about what it means to shine, I think about when shine is a reflection of the brilliance of the light of something. And so it's like when the sun shines through your window and you see the reflection of the sun in your window and you see that shine. What you're seeing is not the sun, it's a reflection of the sun. He says, love each other. Because the way you love each other will be a reflection of me. And then the world gonna know that you are my disciples. There's no way we can say that we are the lighthouse. There's no way we can say we lit and go transform a dark world if we don't love. When we love each other. When I am more forgiving, when I am more long-suffering, when I care for you, when I call you out of the blue, when I say to you, keep going, when I forgive even when I don't wanna forgive, when I'm kind even when I'm upset, when we are loving, it is when we are reflecting the love of God. So even though they might see our good works, they would see us but also see our glow that reflects the sun, the sun of God. The glow is the glory of God. When you live, we ought to live in such a way that all we do don't bring any kind of shine to us. That that how we live our lives, the lifestyle that we live is a reflection and everything gets reflected back to the God that we serve. Live your life, shine your light in such a way. That they will see what you're doing, see what we're doing, all that we're feeding, all that we're doing. But they will see that that's nobody but an almighty God. That they would give all the glow, all the glory to the king. <laughs> Amen. And so today, yes, be lit. Let's be a lighthouse. Let's do it together. But in doing so, let's be loving. Let's go deeper. Than what we say the word is. Let's reach across the aisles. Let's lock arms. Let's get uncomfortable in our uncomfortableness. Let's let love make the difference. One jump.
0: Amen. So, with that, (laughs) be lit, be a lighthouse, and be loving. That's how we're going to do it. What an incredible! call. This is what the apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 1. If you go to the next slide, let's read this nice and loud together from Ephesians chapter 4. Yeah. Keep going. A couple more slides. There we go. There we go.
1: There
0: we go. All right, let's read it together. Therefore so long, I, a prisoner for, the for serving the Lord, Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of, of your, your calling, for your you have been called, called by God This is no time to hold back, Hope Elam. This is no time to play it small. We have an incredible calling. We're not going to preach a whole message to you and then say, so good luck with that. Go figure out what that means. We're going to tell you what that means. We are so incredibly excited this morning to be launching this fall at Hope Elam a capital campaign called Shining the the Light Light Together. Together. Can we give God some praise for Shining the Light Together? So what does that mean? What does that mean? That for the next couple months, uh, oftentimes in a, in a growing larger church, we, there's over 23 different ministries happening here every single week as a church. But for the next two months, we're all coming together. Ministry is continuing, but there is one singular focus and purpose coming under this banner, this vision for the next couple years of our church of everything that we've talked about today, of shining the light together. We're shining and we're doing it together. It is for all of us. And we're going to do that in four key ways that we just want to share with you and just sort of dip our toes in the water this morning and tell you this is what's coming in October and November at your church, okay? So there's going to be four things. Number one is gather. Everybody say gather. Gather. Number two is grow. Everybody say grow. Grow. Number three is give. Everybody say give.
1: Give.
0: And number four is go. Say go. Gotta go. So we're just going to take those one at a time. Number one is gather. You see it there on the screen. It is vitally important for us to shine the light together that we come together. You by yourself can shine your little light, right? This little light of mine. I'm not going to sing it for you, but when we come together, something powerful happens. We need you here every single Sunday, every single Wednesday. Come, come to the overflow. Check out what God is doing. Gather in weekly worship. Also in informational meetings as well. There are going to be meetings at the church building, but also all over the city. In homes, in coffee shops, wherever we can have a meeting that people sitting next to you that are on our campaign team are going to be sharing this vision of shining the light together. We're going to wrap it all up with Thanksgiving worship on November 22nd, the night before Thanksgiving as well. But what we're going to be sharing in those weekends from October 29th to November 19th is we're going to be sharing the vision for some very, very exciting upgrades And capital improvements to our building that are above and beyond our general funds. Some things that we're really excited about that are going to enhance what we're doing. And you're going to be hearing all about how every single one of us is called to give our time, our talents, and our treasure. And that's what it means to grow biblically in what's called stewardship.
1: Yeah, so yes, we gather,
0: but we have a call
1: to grow. It's no way that we can come together and just stay the same. We have to be in a situation, in a place where we are developing, we're growing, and we're growing together. And so what we need to do more than anything is be in a place where we are providing opportunity, teaching, preaching, small groups, making sure that we're in a place where we understand how to budget, making sure how we understand what it means to pray, what it means to go. We say go, but what does it mean to go? How do you go? And so we have to grow in a place to where we understand our call. That is not just on Sundays. It's not just when we have a, an intentional effort to go into the community, which we will. It's every day of our lives. How do we live our lives in such a way that they would see our growth and, they say, and be drawn to that light and want to know where it came from? So we are called to grow. Gather is important. But it's also important to grow. But, but by the way, for the gather, come on, don't lie. We're in the tra- How many of y'all coming to the overflow? Go ahead and give me some hands.
0: <laughs> Taking a pull All right, down. all right, okay. There you go. So we gather, Amen. we grow, and notice we're just about wrapping up here. This entire, make no mistake, a big part of this campaign is financial stewardship. But you're like, why haven't they talked about money yet? You want to know why? Because when God grips your heart and you get lit, the fruit will take oh. care of itself. That'll be the natural overflow, no pun intended, of a heart that has been transformed. All of a sudden, giving of my time and my talent and my treasure becomes a natural overflow. Amen? That's what it is. But here's the thing that we're going to be asking for some of you, what it means to give of your time, your talent, and your treasure. For some of you, it's learning biblical stewardship, biblical giving, tithing for the very first time. Giving 1%. Just getting on the map. For some of you, it is going to be giving above and beyond your normal tithes and offerings, which is what this campaign is about to some of these large-scale capital projects that we're going to be talking about over the next month. For some of you, you're not in a place to give financially, and hear us say this. If you are not able right now financially to take care of yourself and your family, you do not need to be giving to the church. The church needs to be giving to you and supporting you and taking care of you, if you're in that spot. Amen? (laughs) Amen. But for some of you, it's going to be how you serve. It's your time and your talent, which all of us have. God has given you a gift to serve this church. And that gift is just as valuable as any other kind of gift. God wants your heart. And so what we're going to do then is that on November 19th, all of us. Everybody say all. All. Turn to the person next to you and say, that includes you. Just remind, just take it. That includes you, okay? That includes you. All of us. Commitment Sunday is November 19th. And we're going to bring our offerings for this campaign to the altar. Our kids are going to lead us because they're going to be collecting those funds and bringing their offerings to Hope Elam Kids this entire next month as well. You're going to be hearing much more about this, but right now we want to invite you to check out hopeelam.org backslash shine to hear more about that vision. Come every weekend. We are so incredibly excited. Now, why are we doing all this? We told you the what. What about the Why? And that's the last g which is go
1: yeah we want to go we there's no way we can as pastor john said be a lighthouse and just implode god is calling us to go into this dark world and part of going is understanding that it is an assignment and so there's four areas that we have prioritized when we go it's not the priorities of the campaign it's the priorities of who we are and that's to serve the city that that is to yes be good stewards of who we are but it's also to, to invite people in. But even as we invite them in, we've got to be willing to go and embrace and engage and empower the city. Serving the city is a part of what we're called to do. Also expand worship. And that's why the overflow is just one of those opportunities because we have a diverse congregation and there's a diverse world that is out there. And so God be praised. We have the gifts and the abilities and the opportunity to be to diversify. We're still one. And by the way, when we go, mark your calendars. You can get might You can get your phone. November 12th, <laughs> one of the ways we go. I remember preaching in Joshua 6 and talking about a prayer walk and a community prayer walk. It's coming. But it's not coming until the spring. Before there can be a community prayer walk, we're inviting you to a unity prayer walk. And that prayer walk is just around the walls of Hope Elon that we start at home because the same walls that are out there, the same walls of oppression and and depression and the same walls of of anxiety and all the things that stand in the way of us being together, they're out there, but they're in here. So we're going to have a unity prayer walk on November 12th. More to come. Not only that, but we are to build (laughs) disciples and build a pathway for discipleship as well. We're going to invest in our next generation. From our children to our students and our youth to the college. We're right across from Drake. And there's more to come there, but there's Mm -hmm. plenty going that needs to happen there. As well as our young adults who are here. So Mm -hmm. let's go.
0: Let's go. It's time. It's Time.
1: time. Amen. God's
0: just getting started. And so we want to invite you to do something right now. We don't want to just talk about it. We wanted to give you a glimpse this morning of what it might look like to not only be lit, but to be a lighthouse together. So if you have a cell phone right now, we would invite you. Let's all stand together, and we want you to grab your cell phone if you've got it, and if you don't, you can partner with the person next to you, and chances are somewhere on that cell phone you have a, I see you already got it. You know where we're going, right? God has called us to be who we are, to shine our light, and that light doesn't come from us. It is the light of Jesus Christ.
1: Three years ago when Hope and Elam came together, I remember coming out. I preached the first anniversary, and I remember this song that I was familiar with. But I remember it was a song that was important here, and that song was Waymaker. The only way we can be lit, the only way we can be truly a lighthouse in this community, really the only way we can love each other is that he makes a way. He is faithful. He's a way maker, a miracle worker, a promise keeper, and light in the darkness. Let's shine our light together throughout this song and let God be God.
0: Amen. Amen. Let's worship.